0: Hello and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump and we are just at the very end of year 2021 Uh, and uh, it's it's pretty snowy here in Iowa. We're expecting a big snow tonight so it's pretty exciting. Kids are going to have a lot of fun with that. Um, And anyway, we're talking about proof assistance right now and we talked last time about caulk and I mean, it's really criminal to spend just one episode talking about something as complex as caulk. So I'm going to spend another episode talking about caulk today um, because uh, it's an amazing tool and and very rich and complicated. um, And uh, and a lot of amazing things have been done with it. So again, my focus mostly today, uh, right now in this section on proof assistance, I mostly want to kind of talk about sort of the pragmatics of kind of using these tools and sort of design questions about how the tools are, are you know, how the tools work, how the languages work and stuff. Um, so, so let me come and talk about those sort of things for Calk a bit more. Um, I said I wasn't going to talk too much about the actual type theories implemented. I mean, one thing, one problem you do run into in a lot of these tools based on type theory, I remember when I was first learning them because it can be kind of confusing. There seems like there's a bunch of different ways to accomplish kind of a similar thing. Um, like, what if you want to just express uh, the like less than or equal to property of natural numbers? Let's assume we have natural numbers given to us as an inductive data type. But say you want to express being less than or equal to. Um, there's there's like actually... Embarrassing number of different ways to try to do this that have different pros and cons. Um, the way that I think I well I lean towards is as a programmer is I can just write a function that t- takes in two natural numbers, does pattern matching recursion on them and stuff to tell you whether the first number is less than or equal to the second number. Okay, so that is you're writing a function that takes two nats and gives you a boolean, where a boolean is another um, Uh, just another inductive data type. Okay, so um, that's one way, but there's other ways, too. Like, you could define, this is another method you see pretty commonly, you could define an inductive predicate. So, it's like, it's in another inductive data type. Inductive data types have, like, base cases and step cases, just like natural numbers. The base case is zero, the step case is successor. Given a natural number, it builds you a new one. Um, And you can have indexed inductive data types, so you can have a base case that says zero is less than or equal to any number, and that's that's like an actual constructor of this data type, just the way zero is a constructor of nat. You have the base case less than or equal to constructor. And you have a step case that says if you have any two natural, if you have x is less than or equal to y, then successor of x is less than or equal to successor of y, I forget if that's the best way to do this. Yeah, there's some, maybe some choices there. Ugh. Yeah, zero is less than or equal to everything. And then, um, yeah, I think it's just enough to say you can apply successors to two things that are less than or equal to, and I think that covers your, your basis. So that is not computational, right? Like the first way of doing it, you're at an actual computable function that you can execute. This way, less than or equal to is not executable, but you can do pattern matching and recursion on proofs that, one number is less than or equal to another. So one number is less than or equal to another. So that's kind of like, sort of like some different trade-offs there. And there's even other ways you could do it, right? You could actually compute a type. I mean, this I think in Martin Liff type theory, when you go back and look at original papers, some early pa- you know papers by Martin Liff on, on his theories, I remember seeing this kind of thing more than I think is usually used in, in practice today, where you would say like, I'm going to compute basically either true or false, from the two natural numbers. But now, we have to be careful. I'm going to compute not Boolean true or false. That would be just like writing a computable function. I'm going to compute the true or false types. That is, the formulas. So I'm going to, this is now a way of defining less than or equal to, where I take two natural numbers and I give you a type back. Or in other words, I give you a formula back under Curry-Howard. So anyway, that's, that's like, Three ways, right there, <laughs> to define less than or equal to on natural numbers in 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 type theory, and that's something that's true for Caulk. You can, you know, this, the fact that there's a kind of almost like too many ways to do things is true for Caulk. and it's true for other type theory based tools as well. I mean, it's true for Agda also, um, and so you know, that's not. I mean, it, it's not a it's a it's a good thing that we have so many powerful tools at our disposal. It's hard. It's from a usability perspective. It it does make it a little challenging to know, like, what? How should I try to set these things up? Especially when you're kind of a newbie um, on one of these tools. What's the right way to try to express my ideas in this language? Um. So, I I had wanted to make this little comment about kind of. It's again kind of a usability question, although it affects, as I said, many most tools based on type theory have this kind of proliferation of different ways of expressing things um, so uh, that's where you know tutorials or you know sort of best practices tips and things like that will be helpful and cock has this is another thing i wanted to say cock has um, some very good uh are sort of like very good friends of cock that have got some really excellent materials for learning cock like Adam Chapala's online book about cock, and I saw looking browsing his webpage recently that there's maybe another book too, uh, but there's one online from that's from a few years back now, but it's very good and it, it, very clear explanations and very you know covers a lot of stuff. Uh, I think I saw somewhere on the <laughs> I saw somewhere on the cock pages some reference to it that was kind of like. Almost trying to warn you that well, there's a very very particular way of doing proofs that Adam is espousing in this book, and I was like, oh come on now, the the book is a really excellent introduction to cock, and you know, sure, I, I don't know if it, I don't I think it's a little bit I I wasn't really that happy to see that the sort of like parenthetical tag of the link for that book was like oh but please be aware that there's a kind of a weird way of doing proofs in it. I mean, what the heck? It's a good book, so. Um, Every good book has its own take on things, right? So, otherwise, it's just, you know, not interesting. So, um, and there's quite a lot of other materials out there. There's, there's, there's this project, it's called Software Foundations from University of Pennsylvania, and I, I believe a pretty long list of collaborators there that's trying to formalize a bunch of maybe programming languages theory and stuff. Actually, to be, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm sorry. I haven't actually worked through it myself. It does look really good. And browsing along a little bit, some of the their kind of hints about how to use caulk and things, it was very, um, looked very helpful and absolutely designed for um, people who just wanted to get started and are not super power users already. Um, I think that's my one complaint I would say, when I already complained about this a little bit last time, but I think caulk is maybe... I mean, the, the documentation is pretty impressive at how extensive it is and how detailed it is, but it's... <sighs> it's it's really hard to explain a language as complicated as cock or or really pretty much any one of these tools these are complicated things i think we all have to acknowledge that and so it's it's not it's not really very nice to be kind of like oh they didn't do the greatest job explaining it or they could have done better because it is really hard um I mean, just think about trying to learn a new language. I'm trying to learn Spanish right now, and I've got my, like, easy Spanish book (laughs) that I could, you know, flip through occasionally, not as often as I might want to. And, you know, it's pretty hard to convey all the richness of a language. And, of course, a computer language is in many ways simpler than a natural language. For example, there's many, many fewer, like, special cases, like, hello, irregular verbs in whatever your language is, like, don't get me started on French. Uh, which I'm also studying right now with my kids um, but uh, you know computer languages are much more regular but they also are enabling much more complicated forms of expression um, you know they are they're trying to provide more to you in in a sense than a, a natural language is and so um, you know it's it, it is complicated to explain but still I feel like, you know, Cox documentation right now. And also, like, like for example, the standard library has documentation online, which is basically just this sort of like Cox doc or whatever they call it, you know, stuff that's extracted from the source files. And, you know, it's not that great. And the state of the library um, as a newcomer, it's confusing. I mean, I've, I've it's confusing. Like, for example, what's the status with, ne- with natural numbers? And I know, you know, formalization of numbers is a difficult matter for theorem provers, like definitely ones based on constructive type theory, because you, you know, Caulk has, I think, three different formalizations of the real numbers as part of the library. Um, something, maybe not library, but I don't know, but there's that's a difficult matter. But just the natural numbers, um, there seem to be a fairly complicated setup for that, too. Library files that are like, oh, it's not here anymore, please see this other place, and I find it hard I find it like kind of frustratingly difficult to just find I was doing some proof last night and I wanted to have just the like basic property like x plus zero equals x. I mean this is like I can just sit there and write my own proof, but it's in the library, so I just like to use the libraries. And where was it? Kinda of hard to find. Documentation You know, again, these are difficult problems. How do you document a large, complicated library? What would you do? You know, it's like even just take. Oh gosh, I was I was suffering through a log4shell, which should be called log4hell. There was this. You might have seen the headlines a few weeks back about this, like log4j zero day exploit. I I I think I mentioned this on the podcast already because I was so frustrated having to deal with this. I mean, I'm I've got this Java code for this. Star Exec web service that I run, and oh my gosh, getting through there and looking at the documentation for these software packages, I was like, it's just bloody logging, so complicated, and the documentation kind of not that great, like as involved as the documentation was, I still had trouble finding answers to my questions. Doesn't that frustrate you? If there's like a humongous pile of documentation and you're like, oh my gosh, you start trying to wade through the section that sort of seems like it's about what you need. And it just goes on and on and on about different details that you don't know what they're even talking about. Like, why should I even care about this or that thing that you're talking about? Like, oh, we're now compatible with this other framework and that's how we get this and that. And, you know, like, I don't care, I just want to know how to do some basic thing. Anyway, so it, documenting complicated software is hard, we should say that. But still, I think um, I think we, we need to expend, as theorem prover creators or whatever, we need to expend a little more thought and effort on this. Um, uh, how do you make documentation accessible um, there's also the question how do you find things? And a lot of people in theorem proving have thought about this. Like It's kind of hard. If you're just like, I just want to search for a theorem that's, I, I have in mind a theorem that I'm pretty sure this big library must certainly have. How do I find it? Yeah, stuff's kind of hard. Because it might not be expressed exactly the way you think, right? There's like, I mean, yeah. So um, these things are difficult. But I do think um, Coq is not blowing me away uh, with its. Um, efforts in that direction. I think there's more much more that could be done to make it easier to get in and understand the library because that's another big moving piece of these things, right? It's just like um, the basic language, you know, to be usable, you do need a library. You don't want to recreate all this really basic stuff from scratch. I mean, it's true for any language, right? You don't, like, in your functional language, I mean, I expect the functional library language has a library that has lists and stuff like that in it. I don't want to be making that stuff myself. Not that it would be terribly hard, but that's so basic that it should be there already for me. Um, And, yeah, so... But for theorem provers, you just have a lot more complicated stuff because you have data types or data structures, functions on them, and then proofs about them. And, yes... It's it gets it gets pretty involved, so um, yeah. So I think uh, that's a bit. <laughs> these are a bit of like off, you know, this and that kind of thoughts about this. Um, but I, I would say we're with caulk. We're talking about a complicated beast. I do want to emphasize. That I do think there's some good resources out there for helping you learn caulk, and that's pretty that's pretty cool. I noticed there isn't actually kind of like an official tutorial from the caulk. Team itself. Like there's there's the um, there's a standard library documentation and there's a reference manual that tells you a lot. And it's an impressively enormous manual. It tells you all about all the tactics. We talked about that last time, right? These little kind of like metaprogramming sort of functions that help you assemble your proofs because building the proofs is kind of hard. Also because there's a lot of redundancy. That was the last point I was going to sneak in here. Like when you write out proofs in type theory, if you had to write out every last detail, um, there's a lot of stuff that can you would hope could be inferred, right? There's kind of um, if you say you were saying like, oh, I want to use transitivity of equality as a lemma. Like I know I've got x equals y and I got y equals z. I just want to get x equals z. That's great. When you use transitivity of equality, it's sort of your most basic level of type theory. You're going to have to specify what the x, y, and z are. Then you specify the proof that x equals y and the proof that y equals z. So really. Transitivity equality takes five arguments: the value for x, value for y, value for z. That's three, and then the two proofs. So um, you don't want to write all that stuff, and you would hope that the tool could infer x, y, and z from the proofs that you give it. Well, sadly, um, in general, we're bumping up against some undecidable um, inference problems. So you can't—you uh, know—tools are. M- m- I'm not really aware of that many tools that have deliberately tried to, um, you know, try to give us something that is predictable and decidable, but but necessarily wouldn't be able to infer everything. So like, you basically, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a algorithm, some kind of inference algorithm that's trying to fill in missing pieces of information for you, um, it's not going to be able to be complete. And most of the tools just try to do. Do the best they can and don't really, you know. It's it's it. It can just happen that your tool just says, "Oh, I'm sorry, I can't see how to how to unify these two expressions," um, or you get a mess of meta variables. They're just like, "Well, that that's really hard from a user perspective, right?" The the tool will come back and say, "Well, the problem is that I can't see why this expression, full of meta variables that I didn't come up with, the right is equal to this other expression, also full of some weird meta variables." Agda is actually worse about this than Coq. Uh, we'll, we'll turn to the Agda probably the next episode. Um, and uh, you know they, they, they need to get their meta variables under control <laughs> and not show so many to the user because when you show the user that kind of stuff, like, I didn't write that. I don't know what that means. I, it's really hard for me to do anything with that. Um, so uh, anyway, so L, LTAC is an interesting sol- partial solution to this kind of problem because uh, instead of writing out all that information there's certain tactics you can use that are, have a pretty controlled way of trying to fill in some of that stuff automatically for you. Like the one, the workhorse in Coq is apply. So if you have some goal and you th- you know or you believe that it follows from some lemma you have, you can say apply that lemma. You don't have to specify all the fiddly little bits and pieces that you were talking about um, that you need that the low-level type theory needs you to talk about because apply is going to try to infer them for you. And it, it generally does a pretty impressive job at filling in that kind of stuff. Um, so that's another benefit of LTAC. But, yeah, again, a lot of complicated moving parts. Um, I think Adam Chabala's book, or Software Foundations, is a good place to start to try to understand how to make good use of the tool. Okay, um, so that's about all I want to say about calk now, I think. And um, probably next episode I'll talk a little about Agda, which I also know. Something about having written a book about it, but I mean, I'm not. People are some people are disappointed when they see that book because they're hoping it'll be so like super secrets of power user Agda, which is not me. I'm sorry. (laughs) The Agda developers have to write that sort of book, Um, but it's just kind of like basic uses of Agda. So, anyway, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking me out. This podcast out in 2021, and looking forward to 2022, and hope it's going to be a <laughs> hope there'll be some hope in the year for you and and everybody with you. Know, like pandemic, still going crazy here in the United States. Anyway, all right. Thanks for listening. Bye.